A good grind to change your life, man. But you gotta wanna be successful more than you wanna breathe. You gotta be dedicated. Hallelujah! Real. They say lately I've been in my act. I'm pushing this shit to the max. My bitch ain't gonna let me lay up. My hustle won't let me relax. WWFLIP, when we feel like it podcast, where we broadcast, when the fuck we feel like it. Sean right back in the building. And that song right there is by Harold Luya. It's called To The Max. And that's actually, I believe, maybe a former 1501 artist. I don't think he's with them anymore. I can't really say. But yeah, I knew him from 1501. And of course, you already know we're about to get into 1501 with the whole Megan The Stallion shit. So I guess I just go ahead and jump right into this shit, man. Fuck it. Megan The Motherfucking Stallion. God damn it. I hate it had to be you. And it's kind of fucked up about the shit that I'm about to say about a lot of this shit because I actually fuck with Megan Thee Stallion. She has the charisma. She has the looks. She has the style. She has the fan base. She has all this shit. She has all the intangibles to be exactly what the fuck she needs to be within the industry. But here we are. Right now, she's trying to shake off 1501 for whatever reason. And you already know I'm about to get into all that and break all that shit down. I'm just trying to decide how I want to break this shit down, man. It's a lot to get into. All right, I guess I'll get into how the, uh, most of this started. First and foremost, Megan Thee Stallion was seen taking a picture with Jay-Z, showing that she had just recently signed a Rock Nation deal. And that's when Carl Crawford, the owner of 1501, posted a picture with him and Jay Prince. And from right there, the internet was a little buzzing a little bit. This was months ago, by the way. And the internet was already, you know, picking sides and saying certain little things about this and that, about what the pictures meant and all this other shit. So, you know, that shit kind of died down and, you know, months went by and then here we are. She's now filing a restraining order on her label. Well, she already did so. And she's going through other court processes with the label about either renegotiating or getting out of a contract. Recently in interviews and shit, she's saying that she's getting, she's trying to renegotiate. She's not trying to leave the contract. But, you know, after you have, after you involve the court, you're not really trying to stay with that label. It doesn't, it wouldn't even make sense you to take your label to court and then stay with them i don't really see that happening unless of course she's legally binded to stay with the label now let's get into a bit of the details let's start with the contract her contract really doesn't look all that bad i won't get into all the numbers and all that shit because you know it's it's searchable information you could pull up her contract if you would like to but for the most part she has a standard deal really if anything i might say it's a little above standard in terms of her owning a percentage of her masters and all that type of shit. There's a lot of artists today that probably would never see their masters at all. And she retained quite a bit of her masters. If I remember, it's like 40%. I will say that number. But honestly, I can't even fucking remember. But all in all, she has a pretty standard fucking record deal. Basically a 360. And her mom helped broker that deal because her mom was an aspiring rapper at one point. So she, I believe her mom understood the ins and outs of the industry and what was likely to happen at the time of, you know, being a new artist and trying to get a record deal, which you would more than likely be facing. So between Megan, Megan's mom, and Carl Crawford, the owner of 1501, 
they came together and collectively made this deal. And also, by Carl's admission, another gentleman named T. Ferris. T. Ferris is known from the Swisher House days and shit. Specifically, I remember him with Paul Wall a lot and all that type of shit. But they helped create the contract and they came to the they came to the agreement and they, they signed the contract. Megan and whoever else involved, they all signed it and felt good about the contract. So my question is, Megan, were you fucking twerking when they were telling you the terms of the contract? Did you have your reading glasses on while you were twerking? Did you not read the fucking contract? And of course, on her Breakfast Club interview, she laughed at the fact that people think she didn't read the contract and all this other shit. So if you read the contract, why the fuck are you suing them? It doesn't make sense. And when Charlemagne asked her who helped her negotiate the contract and the terms of the contract, she didn't really want to answer. But everybody already knows it's her mother because... It was already stated that her mother helped with the contract. So this whole thing is fucking weird. It's like you were touting that you were this boss bitch. And these are her words. I'm not calling her a bitch, people. Relax. You were touting that you were this self-proclaimed boss bitch and no nigga is ever going to scam you or you you lame as hell if you let a nigga take your money and all this other shit. But now you are finding yourself in a situation where your money is in question. And then let's go back to the Breakfast Club interview. Specifically... Megan Thee Stallion said she was in school and she was studying business management, but she found business management boring. So she decided to go another route and do something else, which is highly ironic because this whole situation is business mismanagement. She is actively mismanaging her own business. I mean, you really can't make this shit up. So had she actually stayed in school for that, she probably would know a little better about the current situation she's in. But from the outside looking in, I would have to assume that Megan Thee Stallion is treating Carl Crawford like a fucking trick. She's acting as if Carl Crawford is tricking off on her and she could just then pick up and go and start a new relationship with a real potential mate. And I'm calling Rock Nation the potential mate. She's treating Rock Nation as the, the main guy and she's treating Carl Crawford as the trick. She's acting as if he's tricking off on her when in reality he, he is investing in her. The further her career goes, the further... His money goes and her money goes. But she's negating all that shit and acting like this man was never present within her life or her career. She's talking about she never talked to him. They never talked. They they were never on good terms or whatever the case may be. But he was just providing the money. He wasn't he wasn't trying to be all up in her face and shit. It seems as though she on some shit like she could throw her ass around and people just going to continue to throw money at her and shit like that and and forgive her for trying to skate off and all that type of shit. It's like, no, you, I mean, you, it's fine. You can have ass, but I still need my cash. I mean, that's what it all comes down to. Basically, Rock Nation got in her ear and T. Ferris got in her ear. And now all of a sudden she wants to renegotiate a contract that she hasn't fulfilled any terms of. She hasn't dropped an actual album yet, a full-length project. She hasn't done so yet. And also, people, do you understand that she's saying that she didn't talk to him? Do people not understand that there are people who have worked at their job for 30 plus years who never talked to the fucking CEO of the company and all this type of shit. They never talked to anybody past the supervisor. This is standard business type shit. Now, in terms of the entertainment industry and shit, it would probably work out better for you to have a real relationship with your artists in terms of being around and understanding what they really need and all that type of shit. It would further things along for both parties, the owner and the artist. But it's not something that has to fucking happen. Once again, there are people who have worked their jobs for 30 plus years, even retired and shit and all that type of shit. Never even met or even seen a picture of the motherfucker that owned the company. That type of shit. Probably don't even know the person's name. That's regular shit. 
But the man help you get radio play and all that type of shit. Help you put put you in power positions to be known as Megan Thee Stallion. But all that shit is out the window because of Rock Nation. Now, there's a video I've seen that somebody posted one day that I want to play. It's 2 Chainz describing his situation with Jay-Z and Rock Nation. And I'll just let 2 Chainz tell y'all what's really going on. Hove told me that you went to do business with you and you turned him down. So... <laughs> what about that? So this is the real story. Now, by the way, 2 Chainz is talking to Steve Stout. Steve Stout is a label executive or former label executive. I think he's doing other shit now. But Steve Stout was being real slick by throwing this shit out there just nonchalantly. He was actually trying to throw it in his face that 2 Chainz denied Jay-Z access to 2 Chainz money, basically. But let's let's finish this shit. Let's hear what's going on. This And, and I'll probably, I probably haven't even told you the whole story. No. So this is what happened. I was already speaking with Kanye on and on. While they was in Paris working on Watch the Throne, Ye would hit me the whole time talking about my uh, mixtapes and just was speaking to me to where we just built a great relationship on the phone because we shared some of the um, same similarities, right? And so there was a guy in Atlanta by the name of DJ Technique who used to DJ. His name was Tech now. He came to me one day, he told me like, bro, you're a star, you know what I'm saying? And when he told me that, I, I agreed with him, obviously. But he said that him and his partners wanted to go in business with me and manage me. And we built a relationship from that. And we started growing and getting on the radar. So after Kanye um, called every day, I got a call from, from Hov. And Hov was like, I want you to come to New York. I heard, heard you making a lot of noise. And the only reason, to clarify, the only reason that I, I did not go is because I said, can I bring my buddy Tech with me? I said, DJ Tech. He was like, why you want to bring your DJ for? But I'm trying to tell them that, bro, help me get to the point where I'm on your radar. You know what I'm saying? But it was more like, you can't leave him. Like, I couldn't go by myself, and I, and I just chose loyalty. To get on a flight? On a, yeah, I would like, because they were sending so a jet. And now, do you hear that? Steve Stout is saying, what, you didn't want to leave your boy to get on the, on the jet? On a flight? Why the fuck would you do that? He can't even understand the real shit that 2 Chainz is saying. It's, it's, it's beyond his fucking realm of possibilities. This is how this shit really goes, but let's finish. Let's hear what he has to say. And they were just like, no, we need you by yourself. And I just chose to, like, chill out. You better not. <laughs> you shoot fadeaways yeah, with one hand. Fade one, one shoot fadeaways with one hand. Now, notice Steve Stout didn't say anything after that. Either they edited out what he did say, or he just didn't even fucking respond to what the fuck 2 Chainz had going on. Because that shit was just some blasphemous shit for Steve Stout to hear. He was like, what the fuck? You just going to turn down money? Going to turn down Jay-Z? Jay-Hover? <laughs> I would never call that nigga Jay-Hover, by the way. I don't even know why I said that shit. It was more of a joke, but, you know, fuck it. But, yeah, anyway, so basically, 2 Chainz DJ and manager pretty much jump-started 2 Chainz career. Kanye was trying to sign 2 Chainz. Jay-Z got wind of what 2 Chainz was doing through Kanye, and Jay-Z tried to circumvent Kanye and 2 Chainz DJ and sign 2 Chainz exclusively to Rock Nation or to whatever real deal he wanted to sign with. This is the whole shit Jay-Z be on and Rock Nation be on. Now, rewind even further. Go back to what Kanye was saying with in that song Big Brother about how he wanted to do a song with Coldplay after Kanye wanted to do a song with Coldplay and all this other shit. And you will see the track record of Rock Nation and Jay-Z doing this shit time and time again. Now, this is the same thing that Rock Nation is doing with Megan Thee Stallion. 1501 already jump-started Megan Thee Stallion's career. Already got her hiding in the streets. Already got her radio play. Already has her visibility all the way up. 
hot girl summer is going crazy all around the fucking world and shit. At least the country. Now here comes Rock Nation going through a contract with a fine cone and thumbing through it, telling her what could be better, allegedly, and what could be amended and changed and all this other shit. And here we are today. Now all of a sudden, Carl Crawford is is the snake and Rock Nation is the savior. They're going to save her from the mean old Carl Crawford. Now you have to understand, typically in an independent label like that, that just newly started, typically they would actually throw more money at artists and shit than the big label would because, you know, they still trying to figure things out. They're still trying to get their footing. When you're trying to get your footing in the game, you throw your money at everything until something sticks. So in reality, Carl Crawford was probably going to give Megan Thee Stallion more money than any big label would ever offer her because they're trying to make something work. They don't fully know what's going on. So they're going to overpay it for a lot of shit to make shit go. That's typically how this shit works. And also doubling back to 2 chains, even to this day, 2 chains still fucks with Jay-Z for whatever reason. He still wanted 2 Chain. excuse me, 2 chains still wanted Jay-Z on his album. I forgot the name of his album. It was um, Rap or Go to the League or some shit like that, 2 chains album. And he wanted Jay-Z on that album. And Jay-Z was like, nah, maybe next album. You know, giving him the spin move. You know, Jay-Z is known for the spin moves. Basically saying, you didn't do business with me, so fuck you, 2 chains. You're not getting, You're not getting a song from me. In reality, I don't even know if 2 Chainz really wanted a song from Jay-Z. He probably just extended his hand to Jay-Z to let him know that it's all good, even though we didn't do business. I don't want you blackballing me. Because people don't understand that Rock Nation controls a whole bunch of venues. If you're on Rock Nation's bad side, that means you can't even perform at probably like fucking half the venues in the country and shit. Because in order to perform at these fucking theaters and other places and shit, like House of Blues and all that shit, You got to go through Ticketmaster and you got to go through Rock Nation and all that type of shit. So burning these type of bridges could damn near end your career that easily. At least in terms of, you know, big money events and all that type of shit. And if you want to go back even further, this is the same thing Lior Cohen, or as I like to call him, Liar Cohen. He's the one that got in Jay-Z's ear to get away from Dame Dash to make him sell Rockefeller Records and Rockaware and all that type of shit. He did the same thing to Dame. He got in between Dame and Jay-Z. He got in Jay-Z's ear and told him all the things he could do better and all this type of shit and all the, how much more money you could be making if you leave fucking Dame and all this shit. And, you know, the rest is history. You already know how that turned out. And once again, this is the same shit here. Now, again, because of these big labels and shit, I wouldn't be surprised if Megan Thee Stallion wins the case and they allow her to go to Rock Nation or whatever the case may be because these big labels spend a lot of money in court and shit. They provide the courts with a lot of money. So I wouldn't be surprised if if she ends up winning this case. I really wouldn't. At the same time, by the letter of the law, she has no standing in court, really. She really shouldn't win. But I wouldn't be surprised if she does because, you know, that's the that's the whole big fish eat small fish type shit. We already, you know, we all have seen that thousands, if not millions of times. And I really can go on and on and on about this shit, but that's pretty much the gist of it right there. I mean... Megan Thee Stallion was twerking during the terms of her contract. She was treating Carl Crawford like a trick, acting like he was on some sugar daddy type shit and just dropping unlimited funds. She reaped the benefit of the funds and notoriety and visibility. Then she skated off in the sunset for her real dude, when in reality her real dude is about to take more of her money than the initial dude, all the while claiming that you this fucking self-proclaimed boss bitch. None of this shit makes sense. 
and you throwing Jay Prince name around and she only feels comfortable doing that because she is a woman. You know, any any man knows you're not just gonna throw Jay Prince's name around and just be comfortable around the city. <laughs> That's like anti smart. But I guess because she feels like she's a woman that she can get away with it, that there's gonna be no harm coming her way and all that type of shit. But not even to go into detail about that, but it didn't work out well with Zero when he tried that shit. And I hope Megan can pull through and be safe and understand what's really going on. But it's already too late. She didn't already burned a lot of bridges and pissed a lot of people off behind the scenes to where I don't know if it could ever be mended. Of course, money can mend most of these fucking industry wounds and shit. But she didn't already jumped out the window and stated how she felt about things. And, you know, after that, it just leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth involved. And you could tell Carl Crawford doesn't really look too fondly about T. Ferris. If he named him in that manner about who drew up the contract and all that shit, you already know that he ain't fucking with T. Ferris no more. And you could tell T. Ferris trying to, you know, upscale his fucking lifestyle and his his contacts and shit. You know, Jay-Z's phone number is a hell of a number to have in your phone. So I could understand why you would want to try to do some shit like that. But doing that type of bad business, that shit never really works out in the end. And I can go on and on and on about how Jay-Z is a real live snake. He snaked a lot of people in his career. And they even tried to get Beyonce to talk to Megan. And they made, the, you know, the Houston connection. That's what kind of coerced her into the Rock Nation shit and all that. It's some real crazy shit, man. You know, Beyonce known for stealing choreography moves and all that type of shit, too. I never mentioned that, but, you know, that's a big thing, too. I mean, I could play the clip of her saying that shit, too. But, you know, I don't feel like looking for that shit. I'm going to let Beyonce make it for right now. And, you know, Houston artists have the strong independent history. So for her to go against that and think she just going to blow up and reap all the benefits and get all the money on her own, and it just doesn't make sense. It's just some bullying type shit. Now, speaking about bullying, this happened about, I don't know, about a week or two ago from the NBA. Trey Young and Trevor Ariza. Now, Trey Young is known as an up-and-coming, you know, rising star in the NBA, of course, putting up some crazy numbers and all this type of shit. So he's coming down the court. Trevor Ariza is holding him, and Trey Young, you know, doing what he does, he he came down court and nutmegged him. Now, for those who don't know, nutmeg is when you put the ball through a player's, through a defender's legs and keep going, you know, either pass it or get a bucket off of it. So Trevor Ariza wasn't having that shit. As soon as Trey Young put the ball through his legs, Trevor Ariza pushed him in a real aggressive manner. Daniel knocked him down and all this type of shit. Then got in his face and was like, you ain't going to do that to me type shit. Now, this is just a pretty much a normal play, and it looks kind of out of character. It looks weird for him to be so mad and upset about this shit. And then when you look at the comments and people spectating and speaking about it, you will see a lot of people taking up Trevor Reese's side, like, yeah, that's a good veteran move to knock him over and show him that you're not having that shit. A lot of people like, yeah, man, these other young cats is too soft. Yeah, you shouldn't let them do that to you. That was a good move by Trevor. And it's really some whole-ass shit. Like, no. That's some real soft-ass, patty-cake-ass shit. If you can't hold your own on the court, get the fuck off the court. A lot of people are defending hater shit, and that's not cool. Trevor Reza did some hater shit. Because I've been watching Trey Young since he was in high school before he was a big name and all this shit. I knew who he was already. And when I say this, I'm not saying I'm, I'm bragging and all this other shit like I'm up on shit and everybody else not and all this other goofy shit. No. I'm just saying this as a point of reference as to why I'm about to say what I'm about to say. That through-the-leg move is pretty much a regular move from him. He used to do that like two times a game. And he does it in a manner to where it's very effective and he can score off of it very easily. 
And he's been doing this shit since high school, like I say, two or three times a game, doing it in college, and obviously doing it in the NBA. And for people to act like it's disrespectful and shit, how is it disrespectful that you put the ball through somebody's legs? There's nothing crazy about that move. Now, I could see if you dribble the ball off somebody's head, that move where you throw the ball on somebody's forehead and catch it again. Now, that shit is disrespectful. Anybody in life who ever tried to do that shit to me is a guaranteed fight. You do that to me, you might as well put your hands up. That's just regular shit. So I wouldn't expect anybody to allow that shit because I damn sure wouldn't. Now, that's actually disrespectful. Now, putting the ball through somebody's legs, that's just another means of getting around you because as soon as you put the ball through somebody's legs, it automatically freezes them up. I don't know what it is about that move, but it's an automatic freeze up. Damn it, no matter how many times it gets done to you, you have the same reaction every single time. Because I've done it to plenty of people too. And once again, it's it's a guaranteed freeze move. It makes your legs lock up when you do it to somebody. But I just wanted to mention that because, you know, a lot of people just be just be celebrating hater shit. That's, that's not some cool shit to do. I mean, God forbid you go back to the other side of the court and, you know, get back at them offensively by putting up buckets yourself but if you can't stop them and you and you think you hooping that's not hooping my nigga that is not fucking hooping like even on another note people are always talking about today's game is soft a lot of these people wouldn't survive back in the day yeah because a lot of that shit y'all was doing wasn't hooping y'all motherfuckers was elbowing people throwing people on the ground clotheslining people that's really not basketball that's really some other shit they're not even doing that in rugby they're not even doing that in hockey like, that's not some, that's not hooping, really. Now, you had to endure that shit because that's what people were doing. That's what the times called for. But again, let's not act like that's real hooping shit. That's that's some other shit. Which brings me to the next fucking sporting event. The whole fucking Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury shit. I tried to stay away from the topic because people gonna call it all type of conspiracy theorists and all this other type of goofy shit. But in reality, Tyson Fury cheated in the fucking fight. He cheated the fucking first fight, too. This motherfucker has the glove halfway on and shit, and they acting like he really knocking niggas out type shit. People want to negate the fact that Deontay Wilder has knocked 41 niggas out damn near in a row. If not in a row, it probably was in a row. And now all of a sudden act like he don't know how to box and all this other shit. I mean, you don't have to know how to box fully if you knocking people dead. And that's exactly what the fuck Deontay Wilder is doing. He got the real warrior spirit, and they've been trying to quell that spirit pretty much since he came in the game. But, you know, he really an unstoppable force, at least until now. They're trying to break his spirit by having him lose this fight, by allowing things they would never allow with another fighter. Now, let me rewind again, because Tyson Fury has a record of cheating. One, he got banned from the sport for two years for testing positive for steroids. Two, his blood test for this fight still hasn't come back, the results and shit. Three, he had glove issues when he fought the Klitschko brothers and they made him retape his gloves and put his glove all the way on. Before the fight even started, they made him do this shit. Actually, that might have even been the other cat. It was another cat he had a problem with too where he had to put his glove back on. But anyway, what else was I about to say? Oh yeah, his sparring partner over a year ago accused him of taking the padding out of his gloves and he showed his glove and there was literally no padding inside the glove. Now, fast forward now to this fight. In this fight, it's not the fact that he has no padding in the glove. It's the fact that his fist is not in the glove. His fist is where your wrist would normally be. And if your fist is where the wrist would normally be, that means you're punching from the place of the glove where there's no padding. And that's what he was doing with Wilder. That's why his ear was fucking busted and shit, because 
he either scratched him in his ear with his bare hand or he punched him in his ear and cut his ear with his knuckle. There's no way you could sustain that type of injury with a padded glove. That's pretty much the whole point of a fucking padded glove to stop the cuts and shit. Now, of course, your eye can get cut and that type of shit, but your ear is rarely ever going to bleed. The only other person who had a fucked up ear was Evander Holyfield because Mike Tyson bit the motherfucker off. Outside of that, you're not going to have a fucking busted ear from a fucking fight. It's not going to happen. He got punched with a bare knuckle or a finger grazed his fucking ear. Also, he has a he has an advantage with the reach because now the glove is further off. So now he's hitting them and racking up points from a reach he really shouldn't have. You know, all this type of shit. Also, from the first fight, he knocked Wilder, knocked fucking Tyson Fury the fuck out. And they gave him a fucking 13 count. So in reality, this fucking rematch should have never even happened. Now this third fight, they have to make sure that his gloves are on all the way and all this type of shit. Make sure that he doesn't test positive for steroids. Tyson Fury has a track record of cheating. And people can't just discount this shit like it's some fucking conspiracy theory and all this other shit. No, this motherfucker cheated. And that shit pisses me off because Wilder probably would have dusted his ass. And he did dust him the first fight. He knocked him the fuck out and they didn't count it as a knockout. But then they stopped the fight on Wilder and he wasn't even knocked out. But at the same time, Tyson Fury could have killed him because, you know, he's punching him with a fucking knuckle. He punched him with his bare hand. I mean, there are certain pictures where you can see inside the glove. There are certain pictures where you can see his tape and shit because his glove is not all the way on. You can see this. He has blood on the tape of his hands and shit because, again, he's punching him with his actual knuckles. Deontay Waters all knotted up and shit. You only get knots like that if you're getting hit by knuckles. That doesn't happen from gloves. You know, it's all type of shit, but, you know, it is what it is. But anyway, man, I had a blast talking to y'all boys and girls, man. WWF LIP, when we feel like a podcast, when we broadcast, when the fuck we feel like it. Sean, go on. Thank you for listening. And fuck Tyson Fury.